joke check. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. Everything pharmacy. Welcome to the show. I am super excited to have on uh, Dr. Alex Barker, and uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about what he's got going on. Um, he's an author for Pharmacy Times, a uh, pharmacist at the VA, I believe. And uh, Alex, uh, Dr. Barker, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Um, I know you and I connected many months ago. It's always great to connect with fellow podcasters and pharmacists. There's not too many of us. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate your time. My story is pretty simple. Um, I really have made my, my mission in the last two years to make happy pharmacists. Um, I graduated pretty recently, five years ago, and I got into practice. I did a residency and I told myself, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can do this forever. <laughs> yeah. um, but I immediately got into my, my quote unquote first real job ever, started practicing, had a hard time at my first job, dealt with a lot of bullies, um, a lot of manipulation going on. And um, that really pushed me to do some entrepreneurial things over the last couple of years. And really my main focus, my main business is the Happy Farm D. Um, where I try to help other pharmacists create inspiring lives, whether it's in business or creating new careers. Um, that's really what my life is all about right now. That and I've got an awesome wife <laughs> and she's great. Um, and I have two beautiful, uh, wonderful girls. That's awesome. I, I was actually looking at your, uh, at the website for the happy farm D and I, I saw a nice picture of your family there. You guys, you guys look wonderful. Thanks. Yeah. Well, they look wonderful. I'm like a hard six <laughs> out of 10. Yeah. Um, but they're great. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, they, I guess they, uh, you know, they make up for everything, you know, to that. <laughs> no, but you, guys, mm -hmm. you guys, you guys look wonderful. Um, before we dive into, you know, what you got going on now, I literally don't know anyone that lives in Michigan, let alone a pharmacist practicing in Michigan. Uh, what's it like <laughs> practicing pharmacy over there? <laughs> Um, not too different than other places other than that. It's colder here. Um, I don't know. Our, our state organization, um, makes some pretty big claims about what, what we, what, who we are and what our group is in, in Michigan. But, um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't, well, I guess I practice in Virginia and Tennessee. Um, but I haven't noted too many differences between the states. Hmm. Because, I mean, down here in Miami, I mean, well, we never really have to deal with any sort of, you know, snowstorms. It's just hurricanes. That's like a problem. But, uh, you know, we have the big, you know, I know the opioid crisis is nationwide, but we have a huge problem with that in South Florida. Um, nothing particularly sticks out to you that's uh, over there? Well, my area is pretty rural. Um, in fact, that's one of the major benefits, I would say, of my job. Um, as a pharmacist, it's very rural. People are a little bit I was going to say slower, yeah. <laughs> but that's not what I meant. That's funny. Things just happen more, you know, slowly. Yeah. People take their time. People are willing to chat with you more, which can be a good or bad thing, depending on how hurried you are. Yeah. Um, 
but you tend to build relationships a whole lot easier with your patients than what I found in a bigger city uh, where I practice for a little bit. Um, but other than having snow between November and March, I would say it's not any different, more different than any other part of the United States. Yeah. Cool. So tell us a little bit more about the, uh, the happy farm D, uh, you know, we, you, you touched into how it got started, but what is it exactly? And what do you, uh, what, what's your part in it? Well, I guess the way I treat it is that it's an all for you career service for pharmacists. Um, we do just about everything from mock interviews to negotiation, consulting uh, for salaries and benefits to helping people find and uh, transition into new careers. Um, it got started back in, I want to, I think I actually just renewed the domain for it. Nice. Uh, J- January 2017. But I've been writing about pharmacy. I want to say since like 2012, 2014 or 2013 on pharmacy times. Yeah. And I wrote a, mostly about careers. I'm not, I'm not crazy about clinical stuff. I'm not obsessed at all with it. Yeah. And so what I really enjoy talking about is career development and leadership and self-development. And over time I just kept getting messages from people through Facebook or through email, people telling me about what's going on in their life, what they're struggling with. And by and large, most of the messages I got were people who were feeling like they were stuck. Like they spent, you know, six to eight years of their life to a profession um, and spent over a hundred thousand dollars on education to get a job where they just feel like a cog in a machine. They don't feel like they're doing healthcare, they feel like they're doing number care. And I realized that I I was, well, a year, over a year ago, I was really at a crossroads in in my life. And I was wondering what should I really dedicate myself to? And so I decided, hey, the Happy Farm D, that's what I'm going to, that's where I'm going to make my stand. That's where I'm going to make my mark. And so since then, we've, we've helped I would say we've coached over 80 pharmacists, um, helping them move to get a little bit closer into their dream job. And um, we've helped a lot more with our courses and other uh, programs that we've had. But that's really the Happy Farm D. Yeah, cool. And, you know, you said you mentioned in there that you, you write for Pharmacy Times. What is that like? I mean, how, how, did, how did you get started with that? And um, you know, do you have any advice for someone, I guess, maybe that's looking to get started writing for pharmacy times? Um, what is it like? Uh, well, they give you a lot of free range of what you can talk about, which is nice. Um, I've been writing for them for a while and they, I think they've built a lot of trust in me because sometimes I, I share opinions that aren't popular. Um, but usually that just drives more traffic for them. So that's probably why they let me write some things. Um, for people that, you know, maybe interested in doing something like that, what I would say is you really have to prove yourself. So start with a blog, do some writing, um, have something to show them if you're trying to get to them. And most importantly, and this is what I see happen in a lot of pharmacists is they'll try once on something. And then if they don't hear anything back, they'll give up. At least that's what I hear happens a lot with like job applications or emails. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so you have to be persistent with them. If, you know, honestly, if you're trying to apply to be a, a contributor there, gotcha. try more than once, I would say. Good tip. I mean, yeah, it's always good to, you know, you know, be, uh, you know, persevere and, and be persistent. And um, usually that's how people end up getting things done anyway. So that's, uh, that's definitely a good tip. And, you know, speaking of writing, I, I remember uh, when we had when we had briefly spoke a couple of months ago, you had mentioned a book uh, that you're, you've been working on. So how's that been going? Um, I would say life transforming for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've written books before, but none of them have been any, I would say, good. Um, most of them were technical. You know, they weren't really impactful, I would say. Um, and with this book, um, I've I've run into so many roadblocks with writing a book. And I've overcome them, which has been really great. But it's really only because of my coach. I, I hired a coach to help me write this thing. It's, the tentative title as of right now is called... Uh, indispensable how to create Ooh, a like valuable that. career how to create a valuable career in or outside the pharmacy profession nice i do i do like that name that's awesome thanks um i like it too but it's <laughs> i've had to overcome a lot of pain because i had a lot of imposter syndrome as i was writing this book and i was trying to figure out what is the message here and what am i trying to say and who am I to say this kind of stuff? Um, so I'm very excited for when it comes out, but it's going to be a few months for sure. Yeah. So what type of roadblocks would you say that you, you kind of run into if you don't mind, if you don't mind sharing? Um, there came a, there was a huge roadblock about three or three weeks in, I would say I was, I was trying to write at least a thousand words a day and I was writing in the morning and I came to a point where it just wasn't flowing anymore. Like it wasn't fun for me to just write about whatever I wanted to write for this book. And I think I had put it down for a few days. And I remember talking with um, a few of my friends and my coach. And what came out of those conversations for me was that I, I was writing a book for people who wanted to, um, I think, get out of their jobs. Mm -hmm. And, and I wasn't really being very personal or sharing my own struggles and stories. And I think subconsciously, I, I wasn't really writing a really great book because of that. I was holding back because mm -hmm. I was scared to really say what I felt like is true, which for me, I, I was afraid to admit to my, my, you know, the person who would read my book eventually that I really hated my job for a time. I hated my life. Um, really? oh yeah. I, I remember coming home from my day job and just not, um, not crying, but just so mentally defeated that. I made a huge mistake. I felt like I chose the wrong profession. I have to do this for the next, you know, 35, 40 years of my life. I can't believe I'm such an idiot. You know, I would just beat myself up for a long time. 
And I was afraid to admit that and write that down and have someone else read it, you know? Um, Cause I know when people read that they're, I guess when even people hear me say that out loud, they're going to either think, you know, I'm hating on the profession or that I'm, you know, foolish for leaving it behind, I suppose, or something like that. Even though I'm not, um, I still think pharmacy is a good profession. I still think lots of people can find great jobs in, even in retail. Um, but for me in those moments, what I realized was that I was writing a book to help people overcome their own fears on this. Because when I'm coaching people um, on career transitions or even starting a business, I hear from so many of them, I feel guilty even thinking about wanting to leave my job. I feel guilty about leaving the profession because I spent all this time, money, and energy doing this. You know, it's almost like they have imposter syndrome or, you know, someone in the back of their mind telling them that, you know, it, it goes against their pride or integrity to, to think about doing something else. Yeah. Um, but through writing this book, it's really helped me kind of transformed into, I wouldn't say a different person, but a different way of thinking about careers and business. Yeah. Um, so, so that was a major hurdle for me. Well, it sounds, I mean, we got, we got, we went way deeper than I thought we were going to go. And I think that was, uh, <laughs> you know, and the crazy thing is I don't, I don't think that you're alone in that. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are in their roles right now, whether it be in pharmacy or, you know, anywhere, but, um, you know, specifically, obviously the, the, um, the reach here is, is people in the pharmacy industry. And I can definitely see how you're, you're probably not alone in that. And, and I'd like to maybe talk a little bit more too about maybe, what role that you were in, I guess, that you didn't like that? Are you still there? Do you have a different outlook on pharmacy now? How how have you transformed now into how you felt then? Um, In relation to the book or just in my job, you mean? Well, no, I would say probably in your job because I think it's real interesting to hear how, you know, you were very, it sounded like you were in a rough place, you know, like a lot of people probably are in terms of Mm -hmm. the decision they made and and what their day-to-day is like in pharmacy. And I'm wondering, you know, how have you, have you been able to transform out of that? How are you still in that? Are you, um, how, how have you changed, I guess, since that hurdle or since you've been, you know, dealing with that, how have you changed up till today? Yeah. Um, well, my, my first job, I dealt with bullies, I want to say for like two and a half or three years. Um, there's no sense in naming names or anything, yeah. but it, it was, it was tough. Um, and this was in a pharmacy, like in, in a pharmacy. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, it was, it was a a manager. It was a few colleagues. Um, it was, it was funny because, um, on multiple occasions, my competency was in question. Um, because of bullies, they would question, you know, was I intelligent enough to even do the job? And, what was funny is that um, it wasn't just me that was being bullied, but um, I often had to pick up the pieces of the work that was left behind by my bullies. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. you know, on the one hand, uh, I'm being like, 
it just, you know, felt almost like a Cinderella story, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, you're an idiot, but here, clean up the laundry too, because you're stupid. Yeah, wow. Um, but I don't know. There were good times and bad times. I think I figured out how to have a little bit of a spine in the workplace, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it was a little bit rough, rougher than I anticipated. Um, but I was very lucky in that I was able to shield myself from the bullies and protect my career and, and create some security through just being valuable um, to to the company. Um, but also, slowly but surely, I had three bullies leave in the span of about, I want to say, eight or 12 months. So that has made my job significantly better. I'm still at my same job. I haven't left. I haven't changed anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but work is infinitely better. There's no drama. I get along with my colleagues. Um, you know, we have our minor, you know, tiffs, but um, yeah, like everyone they're, does. They're great. Right. They're great people. The boss I have now is the best manager I've ever had in all my career. And Richard, that's a whole nother story because pretty much every manager that I've ever had from high school to college has has not really liked me. <laughs> really? I'm not, I'm not painting myself in a very good light. <laughs> so hopefully like a future manager won't be listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my manager likes me now. Um, we're, we're, we click just fine. But um, yeah, so to tell you the truth, now I'm in a much, much better place at the same job because my bullies left. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, would you say what type of advice or what, what would you say you've learned in dealing with, I guess, that situation? Because I know like that too, that situation, you're not alone. I think that there's, I've been in situations where, you know, I didn't click with, you know, people I worked with or whatever, but mm. I would say that there's probably a lot of people in that situation too. So do you have any advice on how to deal with that? I mean, you know, is it sometimes better to leave? Do you reach out to HR? You know, do you confront them face to face? What's your, I guess, what's your advice or, or what, what steps should people take if they're in that situation? Yeah. Well, I definitely don't like giving advice to just anyone without knowing your situation. Um, but I have found that some rules to live by for myself has been very helpful. First one being number one, confront them one on one. Um, and I don't mean confront in a instigative way, but a trying to be, uh, what my friend says, compassionate curiosity. Um, I remember when I first realized that my actual assigned mentor in my job was, um, not, she did not care for me at all. Um, I actually went to her and I said, I look, I apologize, you know, I don't know exactly what I've done to offend you, but I feel like we've gotten off on the wrong foot. I'd like to restart a relationship and move forward. I don't feel like I, I don't know exactly what I did to make her so mad at me, but she said, that's fine. But unfortunately that didn't change any of the behavior, the bullying behavior, talking behind my back, gossiping. Um, If I was to go back, my younger self what would I do in those situations I think I would be almost encouraging for the position I was in to say she can't really do anything to you yeah um stand up to her do not let her bully you around 
And don't let her bully around anyone else because when you let someone else be bullied and you see it, it's the same thing as if she was bullying you and no one did anything, including you, to stand up for yourself. Yeah. There's a reason why we have to stand up to bullies because if you don't, then someone else will be bullied. Someone else will be punished by their bad behavior. Yeah. So Um, it's funny that we're actually getting into this conversation because uh, not too long ago, there was a, um, someone actually reached out to me on Instagram asking for advice in a very similar situation. And, you know, I thought I'd just share that um, here with, I guess, what my advice was uh, to that particular individual. And it's, you know, similar situation where I don't usually give advice to people that I don't have like full context on because, you know, that one, there's always two sides of the story and, you know, there's all kinds of things that can, um, you know, make influence a decision on how to handle certain things. But the gist of what I pretty much told her was, you know, same thing, what you just said, confront the individual that you're having an an issue with. And if you've done that, doesn't work that you would probably go to the next superior or either like HR, whatever, you know, however your department is organized. And if that, you know, hasn't resolved it, maybe trying to again, go back and one-on-one set certain tangible expectations as to what they expect from you, because a lot of times there's a disconnect between communication and expectations. So if mm-hmm. those are not met um, or, or set and established, that can cause a lot of you know tension or a lot of disconnect and, and eventually lead to problems. And I think if all those things truly fail, it you know you can do kind of what you did and kind of ride it out and see who leaves. But sometimes you have to really take the you know the 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 actionable, you know, way and actually leave, you know, and, and look for <laughs> actively look for other jobs. I mean, it's just unfortunate. Yeah. It's just real because at some point, if you've done all you can, you can, you can do, you know, at some point you need to start taking control of what's going on and, and, you know, understanding that you have the option to leave, you know, usually, I, usually yeah. that's, usually that's there. I mean, obviously there's other situations and I know, you know, the landscape of, of uh, jobs is getting rough, but you know, at least try to explore that option. I would say if, uh, if you've tried everything else. I totally agree, Richard. There's, there's got to come a point where if management's not doing anything, you've got to figure out something else because if they're not, you, you highlighted the words earlier, and this is what I talk about quite a bit with people is the, the difference between an agreement and an expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, you're married, aren't you, Richard? I just got engaged, so that's coming oh, soon. <laughs> congratulations. Thank you very much. We're excited. So let me guess, though. If you're engaged, you probably had to have enough discussions with your fiancé uh, to have some disagreements, yeah, to have some definitely. fights maybe. Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, what I found in my relationship with my wife is every single time uh, we have a fight, usually I'm wrong, but... The the other part of it is that there was an unmet expectation somewhere. And I had it in the back of my mind that she was going to do something. She didn't do it because I didn't communicate it. And I got frustrated. I got hurt because I didn't talk about it. Yeah. What my wife and I have now is agreements. And I try to create those with everyone. Yeah. Even in even in work, where I talk about what we, you know, expect of one another. That way, hopefully no one gets disappointed when, you know, something happens when someone's not there or other things like that. So again, totally agree with what you said. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's move on to some, to a more happy topic and let's go back and talk about (laughs) the happy farm D. So 
I want to know a little bit more of, I want the listeners to hear a little bit more about what specifics and uh, what type of specific services that you guys offer and um, what it's like, like maybe just run through like a general service of what it's like and what people can expect to get out of it. Oh, for the Happy Farm D? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, the main thing that I do is I coach. Okay. Um, that, you know, and admittedly, just talking about that, that kind of has a bad connotation. I mean, I, I remember watching Parks and Rec where they made fun of someone being a coach or having a coach. And what I have found to be the best comparison is that, you know, every Olympic athlete does it. They, when they go to the Olympics, they've had a coach for a long time to get them to that point. And yeah. if you're someone who wants to treat your career a little bit proactively, you don't want to wait for a machine to replace you or a newer grad or you're sick and tired of your job and you want something new, then a coach is someone that you should talk to. And there's other coaches out there. There's a lot of career coaches out there. I just specialize in pharmacy. Um, that makes sense. So you're not everyone, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Um, not everyone's going to mesh, but how it really works for me is I, I typically have a one-on-one -on -one discussion kind of like you and I are having Richard right now. We hop on the phone. Um, I hear a little bit about what your situation is, what's going on. And I try to point you in the right direction for most people. What I do is I do a complimentary coaching session. So what that is, is it's a one hour phone call where you and I, we talk about what you want from your career and we create a strategy to push you further in that direction. Um, it's a policy for me that I don't charge anything for that. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like, oh, this is awesome, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to hustle in my career, sweet. In fact, I just did one of those um, the other day. I helped this woman named Paula figure out that she doesn't really want to change her career out of, I think it was Sam's Club or Costco, I forget which one, but she actually loved her job. She was just frustrated with some of the recent things that happened in management and that she was missing out on her kids' lives. Mm. So that I didn't, hard. I didn't, yeah, it is. But it, we came to the conclusion at the end of the call, you know what? I don't really need to change jobs because that would be a lot of work and I'd have to learn a lot. I'd be away from the kids possibly even more than I am now. She figured out, I just need to go part-time. And I can do that easily. And sure enough, within a week, she created a schedule to create more time in her life. But for other pharmacists, um, I then talk about what it looks like to ha work with me one-on-one -on -one as a coach where we meet on a weekly basis, if not a little bit more, to work you into a career where you're actually excited about the work. It matches something that you would love to do. And guess what? Sometimes... I don't, uh, far, some pharmacists accept the fact that they actually don't want to transition into a different career within pharmacy. They actually want to do something completely different, like uh, fitness training, uh, real estate, event planning, um, and even um, beach body coaching. So yeah. I've, I've coached lots of pharmacists into different careers, not just pharmacy. Cool. So I think that there's a huge, I mean, you know, online, there's a ton of resources about how, you know, to update your CV and, you know, how to practice for interviews and this and that. But 
what I've never really seen, I guess, is something reliable with cover letters. And I'd like to get your take on, you know, someone is looking for a new job right now and they're, you know, applying around or applying everywhere online and they know that they need this thing called a cover letter. What is <laughs> your advice on, on a cover letter for a pharmacist? Well, number one, do it. Um, I don't know if you'd be surprised by this, Richard, but most pharmacists don't actually write a cover letter. Yeah. Um, and number two, don't retell your CV or resume, whatever you have submitted. Um, the most important thing, you know, I have a course on this entire issue, but the most important thing that I think I could communicate to anyone who's got to write a cover letter, excuse me, is you have to tell a story, a compelling story. Um, in my course, I talk about this movie called Red Line. It's an animated film. And within the first minute, I, I watched this thing and I was hooked. I haven't been hooked like that in years. and I just, I couldn't turn my eyes away. Normally I'm a little bit distracted when I watch TV or even movies sometimes, but this, it captured me. I had to watch the whole thing. Yeah. That's what your cover letter needs to be. You don't need to write another boring cover letter. That's just like everyone else. You pointed this out earlier, Richard, we're in a saturated market. There's more pharmacists than what we need. There's more applicants than what a job can interview for. And in order to stand out, in order to get past, you know, the other people who are doing the same exact thing as you, you've got to be compelling and tell them a compelling reason why they should talk to you. That is great advice. I hope everyone had their pen and paper out and taking notes on that. <laughs> uh, Cause I think that was some great advice on, on the cover letter. And uh, hopefully, you know, I think people will take to heart, you know, the fact that no one is doing the cover letter and everyone should. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking about applying for somewhere, take his advice, rewatch or re-listen to that, to that last bit and get your cover letter going. <laughs> so let's, let's uh, wrap up here and, and talk about how you're doing it all. You mentioned you have a family, you know, you mentioned you're still at your, uh, at, um, yeah, at the VA, right? That's where you're mm -hmm. that, Yeah. You're still at the VA. You have the happy farm D. How are you, how are you managing it all? What, what's the key to your, uh, um, to you being able to balance it all? The key, the one thing, um, oh, the one thing actually is a great book on this subject by Gary Keller. I highly recommend it. Um, I'll link that in the show notes. <laughs> it, it, it's a great, great book. I highly, highly recommend it. Your, your local library might even have it on audio form. Um, I would say the key thing that has allowed me to do all of these things is focusing on my zone of genius. Um, I believe that everyone has a zone of genius, but most people are only in their zone of competence or even maybe their zone of excellence. Um, very few people get into a zone of genius um, which I don't, I know that I don't always operate in, but the zone of genius is when everything is clicking, time moves differently, you're in a state of flow, you're enjoying every minute of it, 
and you really are producing a lot. Um, most people, though, just stay in this zone of competence where they just are doing their job. They're probably not enjoying it. Um, they know they're okay at it, but it's not like they really have anywhere to move up or down or even sideways. Hmm. And what I try to do is just focus on the things that I love to do, which for me is speaking, teaching, and coaching. Um, everything else I try to delegate out to my team members um, so that while I'm at work or while I'm sleeping, they're out being busy all over the country and all over the world. In fact, I've employed people um, from the Philippines to Bosnia to all over the world. Wow. And they're working for me, helping me run my business. Um, so delegation, you know, I, I think is a huge key to have any successful business. Yeah. Um, otherwise, if you're trying to do everything, um, then you won't get a whole lot accomplished. Yeah. Well, that zone of genius thing is amazing. I'm probably going to be talking about that a lot more in the future because that sounds like an interesting concept. And, uh, was that in the book that that those concepts or is that something that you you're just in your zone of genius when you came up with that zone of genius term? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know who came up with it. I want to say Dan Sullivan may have. Oh, gotcha. Um, he's a, he's a, I think he's a coach and speaker and he, he helps like, um, Peter Demandez of 10 X prize. Um, not sure if you heard or X prize, that's what it's called. Um, he's, he's like coaching, you know, multimillionaires and billionaires like Tony Robbins and other people who've you know done much bigger and and cooler things (laughs) than myself. But, um, that's, I think where I may, I may have inadvertently stolen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that, I love that. I mean, I think that's something that we can all, you know, learn from and I think it's one of those things of it kind of goes to self-awareness and just, you know, knowing what you're good at and what you're, you know, competent at or what your, what your genius is, you know? So that zone of genius term, I think is, is really great. And I, I hope people, you know, we had, we went through a lot of things on this podcast, but I hope that's one of the ones that really clicks with people because it, it probably is the most important, I guess, for the success of their career. And, mm-hmm. uh, how, uh, thank you. So, first of all, thank you so much, um, you know, for being on here with me and taking the time of, out of the busy schedule. Uh, what's the best way that people can reach you? Um, I guess to continue the conversation or learn more about the happy farm D. Mm. Um, well, I mean, if you had a question or if you're wondering about something in your career, you can just email me at alex at the happy Be happy to chat with you. Um, that's probably the easiest way. Cool. All right. Well, I'll definitely link that into the show notes. And again, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I really hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I hope it was as insightful to you as it was to me. Please leave me a comment on Instagram or on iTunes. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Any feedback is going to be greatly appreciated and don't forget to subscribe. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.